Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. cannot hold him. The veil tore before him. He silenced the boast of sin and the grave. Oh, somebody shout, Jesus, 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 Jesus. The one who makes the darkness tremble. Oh, there's salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. Y'all got to pray for me, man. I'm still crazy. Keep praying for you, boy. God bless y'all. Come on, somebody. Amen, amen. Well, good morning, family. My name is Al Williams, and it's my honor and privilege to serve as the campus pastor at our Coral Gables downtown campus where my peeps watching. Yes, Lord. And let's take this time right now. Let's welcome all of our campuses, everybody from Palmetto Bay, West Kendall, Doral, Redland, and online. Come on, y'all. Yes, God. So glad, so glad. Wait, listen, if you've been tracking along with us, you know that we're in a series that we have entitled Skeptics Welcome. I thank God for our church and I thank God for this series because, oh, I'll keep praying for you, boy, ADD. But uh, I thank God for our church and going through this series because, can I tell you, we have a God who ain't afraid of your questions. Ooh, come on, he can answer them all. And that's what I love about this series that we're doing. And so if you were here last week, we heard from my dog, Pastor Omar. Oh, Pastor O, come on. And what did we hear? You can trust the word of God. What you hold in your hands is power. God's very word himself. Amen. And so my assignment for today is on the subject of, well, is Christ the only way to paradise? I'll give you the quick cliff notes to the sermon. The answer is a resounding yes. <laughs> well, hey man, the service is over. Let's get out of here. <laughs> right. But the answer is a resounding yes. Amen. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. So if you have your Bibles or you're following along, we're going to be in Genesis chapter three. And right now our pathway is going to be found in verses 14 and 15. And we're going to jump down and look at verses 20 and 21. So hopefully you have your Bibles ready. And y'all know me, the student guy in me has not died. There is crowd participation involved in the, in the reading of God's word, amen? amen? So I need y'all to shout it on out. Come on, somebody. And Lord, hold up my voice. Your boy, be, I'll be screaming too much. Keep praying for me. Okay, here we are. Genesis chapter three, starting in verse 14, and it reads as such. It says, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. 
Now, here's our crowd participation part here. Everybody look down, verse 15, and shout it nice and loud. He says, and I will put, try it one more time, and I will put between you and the woman, between your and her. Here we go. Now, this is the glory. Hallelujah. Shout it loud, church family. Here we are. He goes, and he shall your and you shall his Ah, there's some real gospel there. We're going to talk about it. But now jump down to verse 20. It says, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Here's our crowd participation again. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife. Ready? One, two, three. Garments of skin. Try it one more time. Garments of skin. And Lord. he clothed them. He made for them garments of skin and clothed them. Clothed them. We're going to explain what all that means. Well, if you're taking notes in here today or photos of the notes, I very simply would love to title this message, Jesus, the only way. Jesus, the only way. As a matter of fact, man, y'all just help me out and across all of our campuses. Can you repeat this with me? Say, Jesus, Jesus. the only way. For our family watching online, get your fingers ready, type it in. Everybody say, Jesus, Jesus. the only way. Well, we're going to need his help to dive into his word. Would you go with me, the Lord, in a word of prayer really quickly? Lord, we're so thankful for your word. And we are so thankful for our Jesus. As we just sang about, what a powerful name it is. Nothing can compare. Nothing can stand against. God, I do ask now that you would please guide my thoughts, govern my words, so that the meditations of my heart are pleasing in your sight. Lord, please, by power of Holy Spirit, speak now for all of your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Well, you may be seated. You may be seated, church family. Well, as many of y'all know, uh, me and my Mookie, Aubrey, we just had our, uh, our first kid, our little baby girl, Adelie, little Adelie. Yes, God, look at her. So cute, so cute. Four o'clock in the morning is real, though, in Jesus' name. It's real. It's real. I'll be, don't cry, baby, please. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. But no, it's real. And man, praise God, my mom and dad are here as well. Come on. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So needless to say, we are using and abusing grandma and grandpa. We're taking them date nights. Yes, Lord. Y'all know, right? <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, we had our baby. And, uh, you know, um, a lot of I'm seeing my, my boys in here, my dog Chippy here. A lot of my golf buddies, they're all like, hey, man, once that baby comes, we know you like to golf, Al. You got to sell them clubs. <laughs> you got to sell them bad boys, you know. And so uh, I'm like, man, but my wife blessed me so because we have already planned out. We got the date nights planned out till 2023 because for us, we, we, are, we are like, hey, we are raising a disciple. We are training our daughter to one day leave our home and we want to still be in love when everybody's gone. Y'all tracking with me? Come on, somebody. But Aubrey was like, oh, Mookie, you know, why don't we do this now, though? Once a week, you take the baby and I'll go do what I want to do, get a pedicure or whatever, and I'll take the baby and you can go golfing. I said, girl, <laughs> don't play with me. We're going to have another baby. You keep talking like that. I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> Pray for your boy. I need Jesus in a real way. I really do. So, man, but she blessed me. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is great because I love golf. I got to the point even with the baby, I'm watching golf shows, you know. And there's this one golf show that I watch where this guy, he goes all over the world. 
And he golfs at these like exclusive golf courses or obscure golf courses that you would only know about if someone told you. He had one where he went to Africa and he's playing on a dirt course a dirt course with these elders that they had just made it on their own. I'm like, wow. But there was one that he went to in America that is very interesting that one day, uh, I'll probably only be like 70 when I can afford to do this trip, uh, unless I can convince Chippy to pay for us to go. But no, no. But, uh, <laughs> but, but there's a place, there's a place, uh, a beautiful golf course outside the state of Maine, outside the state of Maine. And there's a golf course that's, <clears throat> listen to this, uh, just off of this place, is a, a few little miles away, is a little bitty island called Shabig Island that's five miles long, and there's a golf course there with 18 holes that's a little over a mile long of all the golf you want to play, right? But here's the kicker about this place. The only way you can get there is by boat. The only way you can get to this island is by boat. We have some friends at our downtown campus who God has blessed them and they're doing well and he owns his own jet. My friend could not land his jet on this island. There ain't no place for him to put the jet. Y'all tracking with me? Maybe you're going, oh, well, I got some money. I'm going to get a helicopter and I'm going to land my helicopter there. Nope, no place for you to land your helicopter. The only way you can get to this island is by boat. There are middle schoolers and high schoolers who live on this island, and you know how they get to school every single day when they go to school on the mainland? Y'all want to guess how they get to school? By boat. And maybe someday when I'm able to afford it, and I make the trip there one day, and I'm looking at the great Shabig Island, and I'm looking forward to making my way to paradise, I mean, (laughs) the Shabig Island, shout out to Pastor Rick, so everyone. And I want to make my way there. The only way I can get to this island is by boat. Church family, do you see where I'm headed with this illustration here? Oh, yeah. If you want to get to paradise, the only way to get there is through Jesus. Amen? And so here's the big idea. Here's the big idea I want to get across to us is that the way back to our paradise that was lost is through Jesus, the only way. And so now you're sitting here and you're like, all right, preacher, whatever, brother. (laughs) How is Jesus then the only way? Well, good question. Glad you asked. This is what we're going to find out in our text today. Everybody really quickly write this down as point number one, is that when paradise was lost, (laughs) when paradise was lost, sin became everyone's problem. Sin became everyone's problem. Let the church say amen. Amen. I know. (laughs) If you can't say amen, just say ouch. I know. Some of y'all are like, oh, yeah, I got some little reprobates in my house right now. Right now. It became everyone's problem. Everybody go back to our text here. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Do me a favor, though, and go back one chapter to Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to start here in verse 15. We've been hearing about the creation story, but here's now this very interesting portion here. Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Literally, that word put there in the Hebrew means that he rested man in the garden. And I just want to make a side note to all my singles, my young adults in here, my ladies, you're looking for a man. Make sure he working in Jesus' name, okay? Because man is resting, but he working. In new heaven and new earth, we're going to be working. And he don't got to be rich, but make sure you got a, a, a work ethic, amen? You don't need money to be a good husband or father, Amen. But so, so here he is. So he's rested in the garden. And what is his rest? Working. 
And then verse 16, uh, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Every single tree you see here, brother, it is yours. Whatever one you want, man, go at it. Go after it. You want to stay here? But this banana tree, eat all the bananas all day. It's yours, brother. Enjoy. I've given this to you to enjoy. But here's the kicker. Next verse. Verse 17. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil... You shall not eat it, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And so right then and there, in creation and perfection, God gives a command to man. What does he say? Everything is yours. This tree, don't touch. Y'all tracking with me? He hit him with the MC hammer. Can't touch this. No, not that one. Don't touch that tree. So, so, so now Adam, he has this command. And then what happens next is we see the creation story of our woman was created. And God creates Adam and Eve, and now they're happy and tells them, be fruitful and multiply. Go have some babies. Yay. <laughs> right. But now then we pick up in this interesting portion of the verse here, and now we're connected to the fall, uh, starting in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 3. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. I have to point this out. There is actual debates about whether or not this was a physical serpent or, or maybe, you know, just Satan because serpent is another name for Satan. So maybe this was just Satan. It's not. But I believe it's a true, literal, physical serpent. Y'all tracking with me? Uh, Adam and Eve are very intelligent, very smart beings, but they also have this like childlike innocence. Y'all tracking? So it's not like Eve's going to be like, oh, I don't, you know, like I think she's like just happy. She's very smart. And this little uh, snake comes walking up. Keep praying for your boy. I imagine this scene that uh, because uh, I, I do believe some people talk about uh, theologians talk about how serpents probably could walk and cr- walk back then. Right. Uh, and because a part of the curse was that they're going to be crawling on their belly. And we're going to look at that. So for me, I imagine like y'all seen the Geico commercial, that little gecko. <laughs> Who's going to say no to this guy? You know, right. I can imagine like a long like, hey, Eve, how are you? What's up? You know. But then the next portion, it says that he was more crafty. It literally means wise. He's the wisest of all the beasts of the field. And look what he then says in part B of verse 1. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden uh, that, God, uh, that God has given, but God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Did God say don't touch it? No. Nope. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. And I do think I'm just making a side note here about sin. I, I think it shows God's grace in our sin. Uh, how many of y'all know these things are powerful, and you could probably be on your way to some foolishness on the phone. Y'all see what I'm saying? And then the Holy Spirit hits you, and you put that away. Y'all tracking with me? That's a, this is God's graciousness. Y'all rolling? So he didn't say don't touch it. But man, don't consume, okay? Now continue on. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. And in the Hebrew, it's like he's repeating it. You're not going to die. You won't die. It's not true. You're not going to die. You won't die. I think about like a salesman, you know, when they kind of put on, you need this. You will need this. You need it. And you're kind of sitting there like, yeah, yeah, maybe I need this. All right. That's what's happening, right? And so then here's what happens next. He goes, you will not surely die. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat of it, 
uh, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, the eyes of your heart will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here is a very sad verse in Scripture. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, a delight for the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. I didn't realize how big of a debate this was until Saturday night at 9 a.m., but I'm going to explain this. Who was with her, and she gave to him, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of their heart were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together. I just want to really quickly point a few things out here in this passage of Scripture. Number one, that word, there are a couple of words for the word with in Hebrew. And so when you think about this, uh, there's a word with that means like, yes, I'm with you. We're standing right next to each other. Y'all tracking with me? And then there's another one. Let's say I'm at the mall with Mookie with the little baby. She knocked out. She's doing so good. Hey, Adelie, how are you, girl? But uh, let's say I'm at the mall with Aubrey and I go to a store. I'm at like Saks Fifth and Aubrey goes to Macy's and my mom calls me. My dad calls me and they go, hey, where you at? And I go, yeah, I'm with Aubrey at the mall. Are we right next to each other? No. No. Y'all tracking with me? So it's not like Adam's standing there like, ooh, let's see how this goes, Eve. Roll the dice. Right. That's not what's happening. Y'all tracking with me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, so, so I wanted to point out a few things here when it comes to temptation in our lives. I want to just uh, illustrate a few things here because uh, this is Satan's attack, and it's the same attack of old. He does it still till this day, and he used it on perfect people. Y'all know in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things of the world for all that's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What do you see here? She saw the tree. It looked good. It, desi- it was very desirable, and it could make one wise. And he used this on perfect people, and they fell. Thank God for the Holy Spirit in our lives now. Amen? But here's a portion. I, I don't want y'all to miss this. He caught Eve when she was by herself. Right? So I had to explain that with her husband's around the corner somewhere. Y'all tracking? So, so, so he caught her when she's, oh, hey, I'm sorry, keep praying. But, uh, but so she's by herself. And then the next thing there is that he waits till she's in full view of the tree. It wasn't like he waited till she was off in another part of the garden and is like, hey, have you thought about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And then she's like, man, forget that. She can see it. Y'all tracking with me? And then he makes it sounds like this is for her good. Like, man, God is just a hater. He don't want you to have all the goods. And can I tell you, that's how temptation, that it hits us in our life. First, it comes when you're alone by yourself late at night on the phone, right? And then you see it. And maybe, yeah, I deserve this. Or if you, you know, you walking in the grocery store and I go, Lord Jesus, in Miami, y'all know I'm talking about. You walking and you look, oh, I see it, Lord Jesus. Mmm, <laughs> mmm. He said, oh, no. He said, oh, no. Go to aisle 37. Y'all remember the sermon. But when you're alone, it makes it sound, oh, yeah, this is for my good. Or maybe if you struggle with food, late at night, you open the refrigerator, you look in there, you see it all. The Lord is my shepherd. I know what I want. Oreo, cheesecake, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's Satan's tactic, and it's been his tactic of, of old, amen? And so we need to be aware, be vigilant, be alert. When the uh, schemes of the enemy come, we have to be aware of these temptations. No, be alert of these temptations. But now look at what had happened. Once Adam and Eve had eaten, the eyes of their, uh, their, uh, their, both of their eyes were open. They knew they were naked. And listen to this, y'all. They sewed together fig leaves. 
And I mean, this, I gotta make a, I gotta make a note about this is whenever we sin and we try to cover it up, we look foolish, okay? Bless you. Let the church say, if you can't say amen, just say ouch. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Because I can imagine Adam and Eve, like, you know, with a couple of leaves, like, hey, Lord, how are you? <laughs> he like, boy, what is wrong with you? Right? We're looking foolish. But can I tell you, this is the moment when our paradise was lost because sin then entered the world. Let me tell you, the Bible agrees with me. The Bible tell, shows, like, yes, this is when paradise was lost, that all men have sinned. Sin became everyone's problem. No matter what religion you're in, you turn on the TV, it's disastrous a lot of times on the news. Amen? Amen. And so the scriptures agree with me. Everybody very quickly look this up. This is found in Isaiah 64, verse 6. It says this, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. And we don't, yeah, those of you who know that scripture, y'all know what that is. God bless. And then he says, we all fade like a leaf in our iniquities, and the wind takes us away. Talking about this sin. How about this one? Look this up. This is found in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 20. And it very simply says, surely there's not a man or the righteous man on earth and who does good and never sins. Let the church say amen. amen. Y'all ever try to be perfect for one day and woke up in the morning and already failed? Y'all know, right? Lord. Lord, right? I almost didn't make it this morning at four o'clock. My daughter would just, ah! I'm like, Lord, please. Oh, baby, go to sleep. No, no, no. Keep praying for your boy. How about this in the New Testament? This is found in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How about this one in Romans chapter 5, just a few verses later, in verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, when Adam ate that fruit, sin entered the world. Just as sin came through the world to one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Someone say sin is everyone's problem. Sin is everyone's it's problem. everyone's problem. But here's the beauty that I love about our God. Because a lot of people will try to use this to say that, well, see, God isn't all sovereign. He's not all powerful. But here's what I want you to see and know, that God is sovereign. God is all powerful over his creation, but he doesn't have robots worship him. Y'all tracking with me? Oh, yeah, yeah, freely, whatever. He doesn't have robots worship him. But, but now when you get into this, he, the next verse, he starts delving out curses on his creation because he's sovereign over it. Y'all tracking? And I love it. Our God has a plan. Makes me think about right now, all my parents, y'all know this one. Uh, me and Mookie, before when we leave the house, it was just us. Boom, we leave. Now we got the baby, so it's baby in tow, stroller, and then we have a bag. All the parents, y'all know the bag. Diapers, milk, clothes, other things, wipes, other things. You're like, why, why we got this? What is this? You know what I'm saying? What is all this? But why do you have that? Just in case disaster strikes. Like a blowout diaper? Like up to your neck, you're so little. Oh, oh, Jesus. But we're prepared. So, oh, changing all that, put on the new clothes, put on the diapers, clean her up. And this is why I love our loving heavenly father. He was prepared and had a plan already ahead of time. That's what I love. So sin's everyone's problem, but write this down then as point number two. Jesus is the solution for sin. Amen? He's the solution. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Everybody go back to our verse there in Genesis chapter 3. 
And let's continue on. We're going to jump down to verse 9 here. And it says, but the Lord God called Adam and said to man, where are you? And he's not literally asking, where'd you go? He's, what, what you doing? I think about when me and my brothers back in the day, one time, mom was like, mom was like, well, y'all come home, one snack. Don't be eating up this whole house. Right. And then she came home and my brother Adam, he didn't care. Fruit snacks all on the floor. <laughs> then she walked in and she goes, what are y'all doing? And you know right then and there, somebody finna die. You know? <laughs> we know exactly what we're doing. We ate all the food. We disobeyed. Are you tracking with me? So, so it's, he goes, man, where, where are you, Adam? What are you doing? And what Adam say, look at this. This is how you know then sin is prevalent. He goes, well, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 11, and he said to him, well, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And Adam said, yes, Lord, I'm so sorry. I, I really shouldn't have did that. No, no, that ain't what happened, doc. What did he do? Lord Jesus, this is how you know sin is prevalent. He said, man, it was the woman that you gave me. It's the woman. I didn't, listen, I went to sleep single and woke up married. That was you. I didn't do that. You got to pray for that man. You got to pray for Adam. That's sin. That's sin. Blaming God. That's sin. Oh, Lord. I, I, didn't, I didn't ask for her, but I like her, but you know. And then what did God do next? What did he do next? Now he turns to the woman. And he said, well, uh, uh, what, what is this that you've done? And she goes, man, it was the serpent. Look at him, little Geico Gecko commercial guy. He cute. I didn't know what. But now here's God's sovereignty. Here's God's sovereignty in this. Because look at this then. He says, uh, and he gave, the serpent deceived me and he gave to me and I ate. And then the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock. That's why I believe now this is a cursing being passed on that literal, physical beast. Y'all tracking with me? He goes, curse are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go. This is why I think he was walking. On your belly you shall go. And he goes, thus you shall eat all the days of your life. And I got to stop and make a side note about this. This is why I believe it's a true literal curse on that snake uh, is because when you look at an, uh, Isaiah 65, I can't remember the verse off the top of my head right now, um, but it's the picture of the millennial kingdom when Jesus is ruling and reigning for a thousand years over the world. And, and uh, in that millennial kingdom, one of the scriptures, one of the verses, it says that the lion is going to lay down with the lamb and, they, and they will, he will not consume it. And then you know what the next verse says? And dust shall be the snake's food. Even in the millennial kingdom, the snake is still going to be crawling on his belly as a sign, as a symbol for us. Y'all tracking with me? So I believe that. But now here's where I think it switches, where God handed out the curse on his literal creation, and then now he moves to Satan. And so for my uh, Jewish brothers and sisters, if you're going watching this online, uh, uh, there are some who go, man, this is not a verse for the Messiah. This is not a verse to promise the Messiah. But I'm like, man, what do you do with the Hebrew here? You can't even dance around it. It is very clear of what this is. And please, I'm not a, we, we know our Jesus is very, very Jewish, okay? Don't Kanye West me right now. God bless. Oh, oh, bless him. But so now look at this. 
Here's the scripture, verse 15. He goes, and I will put enmity, ebai in the Hebrew. This is where I believe now he's talking to Satan himself because this enmity, this hatred, this war, this battle can only be between these moral beings, right? And so he goes, I will put enmity between your offspring, between you and the woman. And then he goes, between your offspring, Satan, and the woman's offspring or the woman's seed. Y'all tracking? And here's why I think this is very interesting because, uh, number one, I just like, there's no way this is a battle between the snakes because it's like, it's not like snakes are up fighting women everywhere we are. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. But is darkness fighting people? Yeah, yeah. There's some moms in this room right now that are fighting for their families. You tracking with me? Praying for their families, fighting for their families. And so, so he goes, man, listen, I'm going to put enmity between your offspring and her offspring. But here's what's very interesting. Always, 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 always in the Bible, whenever it talks about the seed or an offspring, it's always the seed of the man, the offspring of a man. But this is very interesting because it talks about the woman having seed, the woman carrying an offspring. Are y'all tracking with me? So that's very, very interesting. And so he goes, man, I'm going to put enmity between your offspring and her offspring. And then this is where this is very interesting because he goes, and he, personal, pronoun, singular, meaning one person, one person. You can't deny this. And the word for he in Hebrew is who, which is like, oh, just sound funny. A who is a he. Huh. Anyways. And it goes, and he, this one singular person, will bruise. In the Hebrew, it's emphatic, like a crushing, like a pounding. He will bruise, he will crush your head to this serpent, to Satan. And then he goes, and you will bruise his heel. And what's easier to recover from? A head crushing or a heel bruising? Oh, right. But this is the picture of the gospel. When Jesus died and rose again on that cross, cross, he crushed the head of Satan. But on that cross, Satan did get his licks in. Some uh, scholars and theologians, they call this the proto-evangelium, which just literally is the first prototype, the first gospel that we hear, because this is the, the picture of the gospel here. And so I just want to stop and point out some things here that the scriptures agree to me, agree with me that, yes, the, the woman is having a seed. There is a seed that she's looking for, this promised seed. And here's what uh, I'm going a little bit ahead of myself. But in Genesis chapter four, remember Eve, she has a son and she goes, God has given me a child. She's thinking, this is the promised one he talked about. Y'all tracking with me? So the whole Old Testament, they're now looking for this offspring, this seed, right? Y'all tracking with me? But here's what's very interesting. Uh, you can look this up. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It goes, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And what's the sign? The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Amen. And so uh, next month, we're about to celebrate Emmanuel's birthday. You know, for our daughter, we're getting cake on Christmas, Jesus' birthday. And, uh, and, uh, but, but so, so there it is. So it's like, so Jesus is the one, Jesus is this promised Messiah. He's the one born of a virgin. He's the only way. But so now here's the question then, well, what did Jesus then have to say about gaining paradise? If he's this promised seed, what did Jesus have to say about going to heaven and gaining paradise? Everybody very quickly look at John 
John 14, excuse me. John 14, and listen to this. Uh, this verse won't appear on the screen, but listen to this. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, well, Lord, how do we know where you're going? And how can we know the way? Verse 6, crystal clear as day. Jesus then said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I think it's in Acts 14 where it says, under no, uh, under no other name under heaven shall anyone be saved other than the name that is the name of Jesus. Amen? Now, I got to bring something, especially for my CFS and my young adults in here. You got to listen to this. These are very interesting stats. In 2020, just two years ago, in 2020, 42% of Christians, Christians said that God accepts other religions, that Jesus isn't the only way. 42%. And a short two years later, that number rose to 56%. 56% of people go, oh yeah, Jesus isn't the only way. They look at John 14 and throw that by the wayside. And listen, we need to be loving, but God is very, very clear. Y'all tracking with me? He's exclusive. I sent my son to die. Believe in my son. Y'all track it? It makes me think about it. Even all the other world's religions and that that are out there, man, they, there's all this, uh, yeah, you can do this, you have this one. And then can I tell you, all the world religions, they don't solve the problem for sin. There's no solving the issue of sin. I do think about, you know, even something like, you know, don't nobody shoot me, but like, you know, Islam. You think about when you die, what happens? You get 72 virgins? <laughs> All the guys like, oh man, well, Lord. But that just sounds like more sin. Who comes up with that? Right? That just sounds like more sin. Nobody has a solution for sin except for Christianity because Jesus is the only way. He's the only one who can solve the problem of sin. He's the only one. I do want to give you all some extra, extra biblical resources about Jesus. Uh, there's a man who uh, was uh, during the time when John the Apostle was alive. So this is the early, early church, and he was outside of the church. This was not a Christian. He was not a Jesus follower, just observing the Christians. And this guy, is, his name is Lucian of Samastos. And uh, this guy, he observed the Christian, and he talked about, well, they get together on a certain day, they eat this meal, and they uh, worship their God who was crucified, and some people said they saw him. This guy ain't a Christian. But is he denying that Jesus lived? Is he denying that he died? No. There's another man by the name of Celsus. Uh, who was, uh, I think it was another, he, he was uh, one of the guys who debated a, a, a disciple of the apostle Paul. Right? So they, these guys, are, they're not far from the time of Jesus. All right? And so this guy, he debated the Apostle Paul, uh, one of the Apostle Paul's disciples. And one of the things he said was he goes uh, in his uh, in talking, he goes, man, they're Jesus. He went to Egypt as a young boy. They had to flee because people were trying to kill the, all the young ones. He goes, he went to Egypt as a young boy. And there in Egypt, he learned black magic and brought it back to his people in Israel and, and uh, did all this black magic and claimed to be a god. He goes, and they crucified him. Is he denying Jesus? Nope. No. It's just proof that he lived. So it's either he is who he says he is, or he's lying to us. But you can't find his body because it's in heaven. Amen? Amen. 
Yeah, come on, somebody. It's the truth. It's the truth. And so, man, very clearly, Jesus is the only way he did exist. And so if he's saying, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, no man come to the Father but by me, believe it. Amen? And make your way towards him. Uh, with this in mind, this does make me, uh, <clears throat> it does make me think about a, uh, a quote uh, from a preacher <laughs> in London. Come on, Chip, I tried, bro. Maggie, I trip, I tried. Charlie, help me. Come on, Ricky, I tried. Come on, Nigel, I tried. But a sermon ain't a sermon without quoting Charles Spurgeon. Keep praying for your boy. Yes, God, come on. <laughs> Look at my man, Spurgeon, Chuck. <laughs> uh, but listen to what, here's what Spurgeon had to say, and this was him preaching in a sermon, and here's what he said in the sermon. He goes, dear heart, if thou wouldst be happy, come unto Christ and abide with him, live with him, walk with him, remain with him. And then he says this, lastly on this point, he being Jesus is the only way. But now here's the part. So is he then the only way that you cannot be saved? If you trust anywhere else, if you put your trust anyplace else, you cannot find salvation. But if you put your trust in Jesus, you will be saved. Amen. To, uh, to, uh, to steal a line from uh, Michael Jackson, you've been hit by a smooth criminal. God bless you. Come on, somebody. Ah, look at that boy. That boy clean. <laughs> you got to keep praying for me. Y'all got to keep praying for me. I need Jesus. I really do. I really do. I need him, pops. I need him, doc. Come on, man. I need him. <laughs> yes, Lord. Well, beautiful, beautiful. So listen, sin became everyone's problem. And point number two, thank God for Jesus. He is the solution for sin. But very quickly, write this down as point number three, is that he, being Jesus, brings salvation to all men. Let the church say amen. Amen, amen and amen. Well, let's go back to our verse here in Genesis chapter three. In Genesis chapter three. And, uh, and so after this, we see God hands out the curses to the woman. He hands out curses to the man. And then this very interesting section of Scripture that just seems to kind of go by the wayside. In verse 20, it says, The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. You have to remember at that moment in time, Adam and Eve, they're, ve they're, they're vegans or whatever, you know what I mean? All the vegans are like, yeah! <laughs> they didn't eat meat. They weren't sacrificing and killing animals. You, you, you track it with me? So this garment of skin is the garment of an animal. So right there when Adam and Eve had sinned, God then takes this animal, slaughters it in front of them, and takes the skin of that animal and covers up their nakedness, covers up their sin. Is this sounding familiar? <laughs> In Exodus, God institutes the Passover. And what does he say? Take a lamb into your home, and you sacrifice then this lamb, and take the blood of that lamb and put it over the doorpost. Y'all tracking with me? I would even take it a step further. I didn't say this in none of the other services, but if you ever read the book of Job that looks like Job in your Bible, uh, Job or Job, what did it say he did? He made sacrifices for his children every day. And you know Job did not have the Bible. He didn't have it yet. So how did he know to make sacrifices? 
Well, if you go and you do this whole big work and you look on a Bible timeline, Adam and Eve were still alive by the time when Job came on the planet. So he would, they were seeing the sacrificial system that God had already taught them. Are you tracking with me? God then covered up their nakedness. He covered up their sin. So I just could imagine them with them fig leaves looking goofy, you know. Hey, Lord. <laughs> and he like, y'all look ridiculous. But he made the sacrifice and covered up our sin. And the New Testament's all about this. Uh, you can look this up very quickly in John chapter 1, verse 29, when John the Apostle, uh, John the Baptist is standing there with his disciples, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Or how about this one? This is found in 1 Peter, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. And it starts in verse 18. You guys have verse 18 there. And he goes, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Listen, like that as of a lamb without spot or without blemish. And I love it. Verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Go back to Genesis. Man fell. God already had a plan like the diaper bag before the foundation of the world. Uh, uh, but he was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope in God are true. I love it. I love it. I love it. This makes me think of, I want to close with this, of Jesus' sacrifice, because he is the only way. You cannot deny that he lived, and you cannot deny that he died, right? And I remember I lived in Israel for a while, and I'll never forget, I ran across this group of guys, and they go, well, his, his followers, they took his body. They're lying to you. They hid it. And I was like, well, let's go find it, you know. Oh, we can't, you know. But uh, the sacrifice of Christ, it makes me think of this story a few weeks ago. Uh, we had talked about this, and it's uh, in the movie 13 Lives. Anybody ever heard of this in this movie? And it's a story about these, uh, these uh, boys on a soccer team, 12 boys and their coach, and they got trapped in this cave. And the whole point is like these guys were going to die in this cave, and the biggest portion was tsunami season that was up on them. So these young men could have died in this cave. Y'all tracking? And we heard about how Elon Musk made that little thing to try to go and help them out. But I want to point out one guy in this story uh, who, who to, is the unsung hero I mean, to so, on some sort of ways to me. is this guy by the name of Saman Gunan. And this guy was a retired Thai Navy SEAL who, when he heard the story of these boys, he left his throne of glory. I'm kidding. But he left retirement. And he went, I want to go help these boys. I want to help save their lives. And it was getting to a point where oxygen in this was running low for those boys. It was getting very detrimental in the cave. And they're going, we need to get oxygen to these people there. And so young Salmon, he then at this time, he goes, hey, I, I'm going to make this dangerous trek and get these oxygen tanks to these boys and that coach. And so he ties on these three oxygen tanks and makes the dive. And it's a tumultuous journey to get there. And he gets there, and praise God, he gets them those oxygen tanks. But now the feat is, is making his way back with enough oxygen. You can probably already see where it's going. Unfortunately, he did not make it back. But can I tell you, 
He died saving the lives of those people. And that's the picture of the gospel. That's exactly what Jesus did. He died a death that you and I for sure should have died so that we can have a life that, uh, of grace. Man, we don't deserve. You know, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. You tracking with me? And so that's the picture of the gospel. What this guy did, that's exactly what Jesus did for you and I, was the sacrifice so that you and I could live and have life. Amen? Oh, somebody say, Jesus, the only way. Put your trust in him today, church. Let's take a moment and pray now. Lord, we're so thankful for your word and the clarity in your word. God, help us to never take it lightly that we get to open up your word and understand what you have written to us. Father, I do want to think about those who are in the room right now across all of our campuses, those watching online, and they've been struggling with you. They've been struggling in their relationship with you. They've been, so to speak, like I used to say in the students, tiptoeing in there, Jesus Jordans. And it's time for them to get off the fence and get into the game of trust. Lord, Lord uh, thinking about those in here right now, I just ask that you would embolden them and move in their heart and mind and spirit. If that is you in here today and across all of our campuses and you're going, I need to trust Jesus. I got to stop playing around. Just very simply, where you're at in your chair, I just want you to raise your hand. Throw your hand up in the air so we can pray for you. Beautiful. Throw your hand in the air so we can pray for you. Beautiful. Beautiful. I see you. Beautiful. Beautiful. God sees you. Beautiful. 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 I see you. Well, let's pray. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord, we're so thankful. Be with each and every one of these people that have raised their hand. Help them to continue to trust you. Help them to get in a good group that will help them grow and encourage them in the ways of Christ. We're looking forward to how you're going to move in and through your people. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Well, family, yes, Lord. Shout out to my dog, Pastor Mark. I'm sure you're watching. I love God, and I love you, Christ Fellowship. We'll see you guys soon. God bless.